Isn't it funny how we all start off with the plan or conception of what our life and career will look like, but oftentimes we are forced, or maybe you choose, to pivot into something entirely different. This is a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs to hear how they have handled life's unexpected events. I'm your host, Andrew East. I'm an engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to bring you guys these stories to help inspire you to reach your dreams no matter what they look like. This week's weekly redirect has to do with settling back into Nashville. Sean and I spent the last two and a half weeks in Washington, D.C. after I got picked up by the team out there, and we enjoyed our time so, so much. We made awesome friends, had an awesome time, got to explore the city and see the monuments, um, but now we are back in Nashville after taking a little vacation, and um, I don't know about you guys, but anytime we change locations or get back together after having been separated, there's always a little uh, friction between us, and it takes a little bit to settle back in, so... Um, it's good to be back in Nashville and see familiar faces, see my, my dear friends and some family. Um, but there's definitely, uh, some adjustments going on and it's, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be bringing you guys this episode. This is the first one we have launched since the new year. So happy new year to all of you. And, uh, I think this will be a great way to start off 2019. Today's guest is Steve Weatherford. He is a Super Bowl champ. He's a 10 year NFL vet. He was on the cover of Men's Health Magazine, and he has launched several successful companies. Uh, He's a guy that I really admire, both because of his football career, but also the career he's had outside of uh, football. And um, this was really our second time talking. We actually play similar positions in football. For those of you who don't know much about football, um, specialists are considered punters, kickers, and long snappers. So Steve and I are both specialists. Uh, For those of you who do know football steve was a punter he's a very good one at that um whereas i'm a long snapper so i would be the guy who would snap steve the ball but today's episode is fun uh we actually talk about my first nfl game experience steve shares some really nice words but then he also shares um, his experience in growing his businesses and transitioning outside of football which was difficult and is difficult for everybody he talks about what it's like to raise a family and has some awesome, awesome words of wisdom to share with you guys. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and give Steve the floor. Guys, today we have a real treat with us today. I'm sitting down with Steve Weatherford, who's an absolute legend in my book. Steve, I'm not sure uh, if you remember the first time we met. We were kind of just talking about it, but it was in San Diego. We were at a Chargers workout. And I don't know if you remembered the the kind of snarky comment that I made to you. It was not a great first impression that I said, but you were no. asked, like, so I don't Steve remember known, that. You're known as the rip punter. And so you're walking in there and you're clearly in the best shape of any of us that were there. And I said something like, oh, you only have like a six pack, not an eight pack. Something like dumb like that, and I don't, I don't know if you liked it. Too. That was hey, my first thing. Cool ice, cool ice breaker, rookie. <laughs> yeah. I was already like technically required. I was already retired at the time. That's funny. I don't remember that, but I, I do remember having a conversation with somebody about fitness before the workout in the locker room. Was that when it happened? No, it was after the workout. We we're in the changing room. Okay, we we're all getting showered up. You know. Yeah, dude. Good. I like. That that whole workout to me was like a blur because I was like mentally checked out. I'd already played for ten years. I was retired, and I was like, like like you, like I was into like 
so much more of life than yeah. just football. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's awesome to, to create relationships with people. And that's why this show is really cool to me is it's like so much more than like what you do. It's like who you are. Right. You know? And, uh, dude, I'm so, I'm stoked to be on the, I'm stoked to be on the show with you. And, uh, dude, I, I'm, I'm excited for some of these conversations because there's been some exciting things happening in your life. And I like wanted to talk to you off, <laughs> I'm, off camera and you're like, wait, 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 wait. So we gotta get, dude, we gotta get recorded. Dude. Good for you. Share with your friends what the freak just happened. Well, so Steve's talking about I just made my NFL debut. And for those of you who have been following my journey, I, uh, I've been bouncing around. I've been now with six different teams under eight contracts. But this was my first game in, in four and a half years that I've been trying to make the NFL. So it was a blast on Sunday. And Steve and I have a ton in common. I'm not, I'm not sure you can appreciate um, my, my NFL debut and everything that happened in it. You, you can appreciate it better than anybody else can because you're a specialist, right? We have a ton in common, Steve. You're from Indiana. This could, turn into, this could turn into an hour and a half, man. I know, I know. It's good. It's, it might go a little over. But you're from Indiana, so we got the Midwest roots. And I'm not sure you knew this, Steve, but we both were on the cover of, of Fitness Magazine. So, I mean, we got a lot to discuss here today. Hey, we got to dig. I got to dig a little deeper, man. I tell you what, there's something in the water in Indiana, and I don't think it has anything to do with our talent, man, dude. It's just like (laughs) Midwest people, like they work hard, yeah, you know, and they are so persistent and they are so committed. Like when I think about the Midwest and like my friends and you know my brothers and my dad and my grandfather, like I. I just didn't picture just a, like a workhorse of a man, you know, with yeah. big forearms that takes care of his family, provides for his family and does whatever it takes. Yeah. And then honestly, like I got to acknowledge you, man, like you've been pounding the pavement and faced disappointment so many times. And I remember the first time I ran out of the, the tunnel, like regular season game, like where they are paying me money yeah. for my athletic skills. And I remember the feeling of running out because I've run run out in front of big crowds before, you know, playing up right. in, in Michigan and a hundred thousand in Ohio State. So it wasn't the size of the crowd. It was just it was the magnitude of the sacrifices and the disciplines and missing out on so many things that you wanted to do because you yep. knew what you, you needed to do. Yep. So I want to start the freaking show off by acknowledging you, man, that that is an extraordinary um, accomplishment. It's great to get into a training camp, but dude, you are, you're a professional athlete certified. Nobody can ever take that from you. Yeah, I know, man. I tell you what gave me the biggest chills though, was standing there pregame and seeing my first flyover from a field perspective. Oh my <laughs> dude. I literally, my whole body just like goosebumps everywhere. Um, and then like you get, you get into the game and it's just like, you've always done it. You know, it's just, you're, you're out there. That was going to be my next question. Like, yeah. Like, what was it like going out there for the first time? Was it total, was it total like operation mode or was it a little bit of performance anxiety and excitement mixed up? Like explain that to me. Cause I've always, I always wonder what other people, cause you don't really meet that many rookie specialists. It doesn't, it's hard to get into the NFL, man. It, and especially at punter, kicker or snapper. Because guys just don't get hurt. Yeah, and the turnover so what, is so low. So, what was that experience like for you? I'll tell you this, and this this will kind of give you some background of the show too. Is my first year in Kansas City, dude. I had D 
the worst. I had anxiety attacks, like legitimately. I've never, I mean, I played at Vandy. I played in the SEC. I'm in front of like big crowds. Yeah. But I don't know what it was transitioning from college to pro that I just wasn't mentally prepared for. And so ultimately it just destroyed my performance. And it took me probably a year and a half to get comfortable again snapping the ball. And so fast forward to this past Sunday, and I'm out there, and it couldn't have felt more comfortable. And and part of it has to do with the coaching styles. Like, if you've got a guy that's just yelling at you with everything you do, I don't really right. do well with that. But this guy's, like, pretty hands-off, so I was able to, to kind of just hit my groove. Um, but what was crazy, and you'll appreciate this, uh, my first punt, we had a personnel error. So, like, you know, the whole timing of my snap with the punter was off. First field oh, goal. Oh, no. First yeah, field goal. I'm definitely going to blame that on you, you know. Oh, 100%. First field goal, we had a personnel uh, error. So that's like that, – and that's never happened to the Redskins all year is what the coaches tell me. Our, let's see. My second punt, I had a tackle, which is pretty rare for a long snapper. Whoa. In your first game? I know, bro. What's yeah. up, <laughs> If you're a long snapper and you can get like what, like – 10 tackles in a year, you're a pro bowler, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, there's nothing else to differentiate you really, but. Right. Like Zach Diossi, my long snapper was like, he got a bunch of tackles every single year. Cause he's a great athlete like yeah. you. And usually long snappers aren't. And he went to the pro bowl every year because like, they like, what else can you snap him on? Like, Oh, your, your, your short snap was 0.59 <laughs> seconds. And his was 0.61. Really no, dude, you have one statistic. Yeah. If, can you snap the ball? Yes. How many tackles do you have? Okay, this guy has the most. He's the pro bowler. So think right. about that for a minute. You're averaging a tackle a game. That's not bad. What? And what? I'm 1-0 oh in my NFL career. We won, the, we won the game. So, okay, but to continue, Dude, you, you might... our, our third punt was tipped. Okay, hadn't happened to him all year. <laughs> fourth punt – Fourth punt was housed, dude. D.D. Westbrook just freaking ran all over us. Touchdown? Then, yes. Oh and then, my god! And then and the game ended with a game-winning field goal for the Redskins. So, bro, oh, it was dude, in dude, one. Hey, real, real talk. <laughs> thank your lucky stars because if you guys lose that game, they're looking at you. A hundred percent, dude. One hundred percent. They're like, "What happened?" Oh, you punch? must have had so much anxiety. Like, please win, please win, please dude. Win, please I win. was out there, like, because I was having a ball. I almost stripped the ball on my tackle. Like, I legit. They blew the whistle right before I got it out. And so I'm, like, just flying high. And then they, they tip and, and return. And I'm like, well, you know what? At least I got one game in. This was great while it lasted, but I'm getting cut tomorrow. But when we won, it was like, okay, everything's, you know. Sins, kinda, sins can be so. – like, they'll still, they'll still look at things. And I'm not just saying you. They'll still look at things. But, like, everybody, the coaching staff, the upper office, the fans, the players, like everybody's kind of like lightweight stone the next day after a win because you're like, you put so much in to like yeah. 60 minutes of football. Like you're talking like months and months. And in your case, freak what? Like 27 years? Yeah. How old are you? Yeah, 27. 27 years yeah. to be a pro. Like people invest a lot into that. A lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of sacrifice. So when you win, you come in on Monday Sense can be forgiven, you know? Yeah, 100%. Good, good. I'm really happy for you, man. That's amazing. Thank you. It was fun. So I want to get into your NFL career because that's a big part of your story. But yeah, I we, like we to had always... to have that news flash, though, man. <laughs> well, like, I you deserve you. that, man. You can pass it over and be humble and whatnot. But from one person that realizes how hard it is to get and how quickly it can be taken away, I appreciate your willingness to like dig into my life and what has helped me attain success in different areas. But 
you need to acknowledge yourself, man. I know things are spinning for you, but dude, I'm freaking really happy for you. You'll be, you'll, you can say you're a professional athlete for the rest of your life. Yeah. I appreciate that. It is fun. I don't often talk about really football. Like I, I don't really get into the, the nuts and bolts because no, nobody I else listen, can appreciate it. Like you can. Yeah, so that's, why, but that's I, why I'm really excited about this. I've listened to your shows. They're great shows, but you know yeah. what? If this one, if, if people only remember the stories that we just told and like get a grasp for how cool that is. Yeah. Then the show's a success, man. You deserve that. It's awesome. Well, thanks. So I always like to talk about people's like upbringing and you grew up in the DNA. We kind of touched on that. You're talking about yeah. the hard work ethic. Uh, but I just feel like people's upbringing kind of gives context to everything that comes after. So talk about your family, your siblings, yeah. what your parents did and what they were like. Dude, I've, I've um, like, I've always been into like, body hacking, brain hacking. Like I remember as a really, really little kid, just like my parents would let me watch like Rocky Balboa or Karate Kid or like any movie that had any type of motivational training montage because I would just start doing push-ups and like in the living room and then you get you get yourself all excited and you can't go to sleep. So there was a rule like no motivational type movies at night if Steve's watching um, because I'm just... Like I'm hungry, you know, and I don't know what it is. Like God blessed me just being ambitious. Um, but it was from my upbringing that I really was able to put a substantial amount of priority on work ethic and sacrifice that has enabled like my crazy ambitions that I had and that I still have now. And it's allowed me to make a lot of those dreams come true. Like very similar to you. Like, dude, you're a 27 year old rookie. You know, like drink that in for a minute. You have been pounding the pavement for five plus years just trying to get a shot. You know what I mean? And you stuck with it and you stuck with it and you stuck with it. You should do some research on how many people become a professional after age 27. That just goes to show you like, dude, it was expected of us Yeah, as kids. And so for, for me in my life, being a father, I have, I have four daughters and a son. I have four people that... I feel it as like my duty and my honor to teach my kids like what real sacrifice and hard work are. And it doesn't matter like what your dream is. You know, I've already fulfilled like three lifetime dreams that I thought would, you know, possibly never happen. I've already done three of them. And I'm, I just turned 36 yesterday. You know what I mean? I'm just getting started. Happy birthday, by the way. Happy yeah, birthday. man. Dude, it's been a big week for us. <laughs> yes. Dude, yeah. Merry Christmas to us. That's and right. you know what? My birthday was given to me. You earned that. Dude, <laughs> kudos, man. I'm curious. Was it your mom or your dad that instilled that work ethic in you? Or is that just something that you had? It was like the first thing I idolized about my grandfather. Wow. You know, he was like, I never, ever saw him wake up. Like, I would stay stay up late. Like, we go to my grandparents' house to watch, you know, Christmas movies and stuff. And it didn't matter if it was a holiday or not. Like, 4.30, my grandfather is up and out the door, mm. you know. And, and I always, like, I always admired that because the reason he did that is to get his work in so he could be with his family when they woke up. And so it was that level of prioritization on on getting work done and moving forward on your dreams and your aspirations, but never letting that bleed into family time. 
And so I learned that at a very young age, man, I had four goals when I was 14 years old. I wanted to become a professional athlete. And at that time, I had never even played football. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I wanted to become a father. I wanted to become a world champion. Actually, technically, I wanted to become an Olympic champion. And the last one, which is kind of douchey, but it's, you know, it was my goal. So I'll state it. I wanted to be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness Magazine because that was like, that was the only place when we were kids. Well, at least when I was kids, at least you had the internet a little bit. But (laughs) when I was a kid, we didn't have the internet. Like there were no, there was no way for you to figure out like how to, to train and, and increase your human performance. And so Muscle and Fitness was like the magazine for me. So I became you know, obsessed with, you know, maximizing my genetic potential through athletics, through bodybuilding, through nutrition, through, you know, just brain fuel and stuff like that. And so um, I absolutely love it, but I've achieved all four of those goals. And the last goal that I had to achieve was the muscle and fitness. And that didn't happen until I was 30, 33, I think 33 years old as I finally got on on the cover. And that was a, that was not like an easy thing to do is because it's not, like I didn't want to call them and have them ask me to be on it. You know, I wanted to become so influential and impactful and inspirational to people that they would want to have me on the magazine. I didn't want to like play the football card or the Super Bowl. I wanted to earn that. Right. And so to go back to my my childhood, like that's that's what I admired when I was a kid. And I'm sure you have stories exactly like I do. We like cars and cars and stuff were cool then, but really it was like big, strong, capable dads for yeah. what I admired, you know, like yeah. freaking dads with big forearms and strong hands. And like, you know, I'll pull that four wheeler off the truck by myself type of dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, to yeah. me, that was what I wanted to be. And you know, I'm working every single day to try to be that for my family, even though we live in a, you know, freaking 7,000 square foot house with a big pool and, you know, cars and all that other stuff. Like I don't want the the blessings that, that God's given me and that I've earned, I don't want that to deteriorate the core principles of like what made me me and the reason we live in this house, you know, right. like God gave me gifts, but I worked relentlessly to develop them. And I don't ever want that to miss on my kids because they can have the greatest educations in the world and know all the people in the world. But unless you're, you're goal oriented and you're willing to to choose the pain of, of discipline versus the pain of regret because that pain of regret, that's a tough one. You know what I mean? It's I'll hard, take the man. pain of discipline every freaking time because I know how limited amount of time that we have on this earth and dude, I could get in a car wreck tomorrow. And would I go back and do some things differently? Yeah. Who wouldn't, but I'm proud of what I've done. Yeah. So if I get called up tomorrow, Hey, it is what it is, man. It's been my four quarters are a little shorter than everybody else's, but <laughs> dude, I played the win. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You hinted a little bit at your athletic accomplishments, and uh, you know, in my research, I came across that you pretty much played every single sport possible, <laughs> and you were a two-sport athlete in college. I was. You did football in the heptathlon. Is that right? Yeah, I did the heptathlon was indoor and then outdoor as a decathlete. Dude, that is I can't imagine the schedule that you were on. Football, for those of you yeah, who are was, curious, takes up about thirty hours of your week and then you're supposed to be studying. I'm not sure how you would do that with another sport added on top. 
Yeah, it was tough, man. Springs were really difficult for me because, um, well, A, just doing track and, and one event. You know, I mean, dude, your wife knows. She, you know, she practices a certain discipline, like, let's say, floor. But imagine having nine more of those. You know what I mean? So I had to, I had to master, try my best to master 10 different athletic movements. You know, the hurdles, the high jump. Uh, pole vault, 1500, um, shot put discus, javelin, you know, I mean, it was crazy, but um, it just kind of goes back to like what we were just talking about is, is sacrifice and, you know, goal orientation and dude, being, being a badass Midwest silverback dad you know what i mean <laughs> i love how and, I, I love how it's specifically dad for you it's not like being just a big bad dude it's specifically being a dad no but like like what is the like what is okay let's say i had no kids dude i'm 240 pounds like i'm as strong as i want to be i'm a bad dude you know what i mean but like what for what exactly like to me now it's like a purpose because like my physique Although it's awesome, dude, beach season, I, I'm digging it. Nobody takes more shirtless selfies than me. But <laughs> being able to let your kids see your hard work, so it's awesome to like talk about hard work. But when my kids look at my physique and they look at other dads' physique, they know something about me. You know what I mean? Like they can visually see discipline work ethic, consistency, and sacrifice when they look at my physique. And I, not to say those other dads don't have those character traits either, but you can't see them. You know what I mean? So that's, that's very, very important to me for my kids to be able to experience me doing that, but then also a visual reminder of the cloth that we're cut from, like to have my last name. You know right. what I mean? It's not, it's not just genetics. It's a mindset. Yeah. And like, that is very important to me for my, my son, my oldest to be able to, to grasp that. And then for my daughters too, I want them to be confident. I want them to be, to be bold. I want them, you know, to be kind. I want them to be generous. And I want my, the same things for my son. Uh, I don't parent my kids differently. I'm a little bit softer with my girls, but I want them to understand that they're a gift. So my son better roll up his sleeves and, and do the work. You know what I mean? Right. And look like you do the work. I wonder if there's a flip side to what you're just talking about. I um, I've been watching the the National Geographic series called Genius, and it, it kind of highlights like these phenomenal people: Picasso, Einstein, and I think the next one they're doing. I, I forget the next one they're doing, but uh, it always taught in both scenarios. They highlight the fact that it's very difficult to be successful in your career and successful in family and like leave a, a lasting legacy in both. And obviously from a guy like me who probably, who probably has an unhealthy work-life balance where I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, reach for that next career goal or whatever it is. Sure. Um, and I sacrifice some time with my wife or my, you know, extended family, whatever it is. I wonder if you've experienced that or how you've balanced that because you've achieved all of these three or four life goals that you were talking about? Um, I feel like work-life balance is, I don't think it's a real thing. You know? <laughs> I love it. I feel like, it, I feel like it, 
Yeah. It's work. It's work-life mastery. You know what I mean? Like you're never going to be able, I'm never going to be able to give 25% of my time to my kids, 25% to my goals, dreams, aspirations and work 25% of time for my wife. You know what I mean? Like it's never going to, it's never going to be fair. Um, and that's why it's like super important to be very connected when you are with your family, because then at that point you can see which child requires a little bit more time and attention and love and understanding and empathy. And you can tell which kid maybe needs a little kick in the pants. Like, come on, man, you're better than that. You know, like expect excellence from yourself. Hmm. So it's, that's why I don't, I don't think like I need to have six hours with my family every single day. It's not about the, the quantity of time because I'd always like to have more quantity. Um, but I'm the master of the quality. Like I am the one that determines the quality of, of time that I spend with my kids. Nobody else. My schedule doesn't predict that. My, my, my work doesn't, my, my fitness doesn't, my goals don't, my marriage don't predict the quality of time that I spend. I'm in control of that. It's my perspective. It's my involvement. I get to create whatever it is in that moment, whether that's with my kids or that's on a podcast or that's talking to a friend, regardless of what it is, like I'm constantly reminding myself that I am happening to life and life doesn't happen to me. It's, it's either happening for me or not at all, because the way that we perspective is, is so powerful to be able to have real freedom in your life. Like if you really want to have freedom in your life, train, your perspective the same way that you train your body or you train to be a doctor or you train to be, you know, a professional football player. And if you have full control of your perspective, whatever happens in your life, you're going to be able to control the perspective. Example, I'm driving to the gym this morning and I get a flat tire. Like I could be, you know, pissed off about it, kicking my tire, thinking it's going to throw my whole schedule of my day off or take a, second to look at my vehicle and think I'm driving an SUV that costs more than, you know, the house that I grew up in when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's perspective. At that point, all I did was shift my perspective and I'm freaking thankful. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like life, life is going to happen, man. Life is going to happen how it's going to happen. It's how we perceive it. And we have full control of that. That is going to predict the quality of our life the quality of the connection you have with your your friends, the quality of life that you have outside of your home doing your own thing, the quality of marriage that you have is all perspective and we're in full control of that. So, I mean, I need constant reminders just like anybody else, but my wife like mentally coaches me. You know, if she sees me start to, you know, to slip into like old habits and old ways of thinking, I've been with her for 17 years, you know, mm. she keeps me in, she keeps me in check and I try to do, you know, the counterpart to that. So, I mean, you know, you're married. Yeah. Uh, you throw some throw some kids into the mix and you still have big dreams and, and aspirations. You better learn to to master the quality of time that you spend on things. So if I've got 60 minutes to do a podcast, let's get it in. You know what I mean? Versus, yeah. you know, just being very laxed with the operational mode you go through every single day. Because like if if you don't have rigor for what you're trying to get done. Human nature is, man, is, is to be comfortable. Like taking it easy is comfortable. But when you're constantly pressing to get to get somewhere and, and to get something done, you know, it could affect your quality of life. So it's very important to be present on what 
you're working on. So if it's 60 minutes, it's 60 minutes, get it done. You know what I mean? And I'm, I've been able to get much more uh, rigorous with my time and more efficient and effective with the time that I do have to work on different projects. Um, because I, I know what's truly important in my life and that's, you know, being a big part of my kid's childhood, you know, and being a big part of my marriage, not just being, you know, not just living in a marriage, but working on it every single day. So do you have any on that quality time? No, because it's so difficult for me and you and I kind of do similar things where it's, I mean, whatever field you're in, there's always this temptation to, to be thinking about it nonstop work like I got to do this tomorrow I got to go to that or this is my five-year plan or whatever like this how I'm working into it I have so, been more tempted recently than than other times in my life to always be in work mode and I'm finding it harder and harder as I get older to pull out of that you know mm-hmm. so um, what are your tips two things time blocking so talking about you know project oriented like spending your time Give yourself three hours to do social media, you know? So because we're all, dude, I'm plugged into social media freaking more, as much or more than anybody else that I know, but I schedule a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like I, I know I'm going to be doing something fun with my kids. Then maybe I'm not on Snapchat much that day until I'm, I'm with the kids and I'll like capture the moment for the first 10 minutes. And then I put my phone away because those memories, I love to look back on those, you know, five, six, seven years from now. Plus, it's awesome for me to give people just a behind the scenes look at like how I'm spending my life without having the phone ruining life experiences and pulling me away from being present. Um, So that's been super helpful for me is like time blocking and being rigorous and committed to sticking on that schedule Um, because I have extreme ADHD and which is great for like playing a whole bunch of sports, you know, playing four sports in high school, playing two in college and like you know, being exhausted, but, but always being like supremely focused. Um, that was helpful, but you know, then you get into your retiring from the NFL and managing, you know, being full owner of two businesses and partner on another business and then having a podcast and then having five kids and then doing YouTube, you know what I mean? Like it can be overwhelming. So getting really good at scheduling your day, sticking to that. And the, the first thing that I would recommend for like, I don't want to say a scattered brain, but it's a brain that's always on, like hard to turn it off. Let's say you work for three hours, you stop and you go on a date with your wife. Like she's going to know that you're like trying to figure out a click funnel or, you know, figuring out how to, to make this adjustment or, or just working on a project in your mind. So using guided meditation is the first thing that I do every single morning. Um, and I'm not saying this is the best app out there. This is just the one that I use and it's called Headspace. And essentially what they do is they just take you through guided meditation and breathing practices for 10 minutes. And you can do like five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. I do 10 minutes because I, I think 10 minutes for me, I get done. My mind is clear. My intention is set. And then the next thing that I do is look at my schedule for the day. And then I got it all mapped out and there's no, there's no thinking about another project when I'm working on this one. You know what I mean? So it's just being very intentional with my focus has allowed me to open up has allowed me to create more time for my family and be much more present in the time that I do have with them. Wow. Those are awesome tips. Um, one question that I always like to ask playing off of what you were just talking about is what's the team that has helped you reach this level of success? 
um, you know, a lot of people mentioned family. I want to hear yours, but I also want to hear the biggest influences that, that, uh, have impacted you, whether it's a book or a, some author, um, or, or a speech that you've heard. So can you talk about those two things? All right. Which one do you want to know first? Let's go team. Um, in regards to like what different mentors have I worked with? What different programs have I gone through? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. I would say mentors specifically. Yeah, I would say, um, Right now, my my biggest, I would say, life mentor um, is a guy by the name of Michael Strasner. Uh, Michael Strasner. Actually, I got one of his books right here. Let me grab it. I'm sitting here looking at a Dr. Dre it's, poster, it's, which is classic. Yeah, you see it. You see it. <laughs> um, but his book just came out. It's called Mastering. I don't even know if it's going to be backwards because I'm in selfie mode right now. No, but, that's right. Um, it's called Mastering Leadership, Shift the Drift and Change the World. Um, that book just came out and he's been um, mentoring me and coaching me for eight months now. And literally all the things that I'm paying like thousands of dollars to learn from this guy, granted, I'm doing like one-on-one work with him is in this book. Um, you know, time management, accountability, perseverance, like just there's 12 different distinctions of, of leadership. And people can think when they hear this on this podcast or they're watching this on YouTube or whatever, that, Oh, well, I'm, I'm not a leader. Dude, everybody's a leader. You know, like everybody is, is the boss. Everybody's the CEO of their life. So why would you not want to learn how to be a master leader? Because it's so easy for us every single day, Andrew, to, to be accountable to other people. Let me be accountable to this person because, you know, they play this role in my life. Let me be accountable to my wife. Let me be accountable to my kids. Let me be accountable to my employees. But the person that we're so willing to not be accountable to is ourself. You know what I mean? Like accountability to self. It's so much harder for me to make myself proud than it is for me to make other people proud because other people have low expectations of me, you know, not because I'm like, you know, incapable, but they could never have the expectations of me that I have of myself. So just learning things like that through books, like mastering leadership, um, have really opened up um, incredible realizations for me that you know I don't I don't only have to be like uh, like a great athlete or I don't only have to be a great dad I don't only have to be a great husband I like it is my right to be great at all of them like I deserve that but yeah. in order to be great at all of them I'm going to have to practice the same disciplines that I did to develop my physique or the same disciplines that I did to develop, you know, my skills at punting a football or, you know, my, my skills in business or any of those things. Like yeah. I feel like I'm a rookie all over again in, in life because I've been taken out of this container of everybody doing everything for me because I was a professional athlete and, and this and that and the other, which is awesome. But it did allow a lot of, a lot of qualities that I wanted to develop, it allowed them to, to atrophy and just get weaker because I didn't need those skills. And now I step out as an entrepreneur and, and wanting to do all these different things, I need to learn. So, you know, I go out and I spend money to work with people that can make me the best me. So my business yeah. mentor, um, his name's Bedros Koulian. He's a guy that started the Fit Body Bootcamp, um, the franchise. So he went from, I think in like 2000 and 13, uh, he opened his first Fit Body Bootcamp franchise, 
and I think he's got almost 700 of them now. He's averaging like a, a new 30. He's averaging almost a new franchise a day right now. And he, he's building an empire. So I want to learn from people like that, you know, and I want to, anytime I, I find somebody that's super impressive, I want to read a book about them. And then if there's an opportunity for me to be able to provide value to them and learn from them, whether that's, you know, being in their mastermind or, you know, finding a dad that I really admire and figuring out what value I can provide him so I can learn. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, it's constantly being hungry, but in order for you to, to make the type of progress that, that we all want to make in those different areas, I think it all comes down, um, to planning. You know, I feel like if anybody can take anything away from the podcast that you and I do today, aside from celebrating how righteous the achievement it is that you are a pro. Hey, Hey, by the way, well, welcome to the club, bro. <laughs> hey, thanks. Man. Um, Thank you. but aside from that, man, it's just learning how to be in a really effective planner. And I'm not saying like try to get so many different things done in the day. Dude, schedule yourself 30 minutes to just waste time on Instagram and see what your friends are doing. Like schedule that. There's nothing wrong with you scheduling that. If that's something that you like to do and you find yourself doing it sporadically throughout the day, then, you know, quit doing five minutes here, five minutes there, five minutes there. It's pulling your focus off of what you're doing. Schedule 30 minutes at lunchtime. Eat lunch and waste an hour, waste 45 minutes doing something that you enjoy to do, but condense that time into one setting so you don't have to like shotgun your focus everywhere. You can be a sniper rifle with your focus every single place that you go, and you're going to find that you have to shoot a whole lot less bullets, which means you get more ammo to spend with your family. Ooh, I wow. like that analogy. I like that a lot, man. Hey, remember that. Uh, no, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to. I want to briefly go over your NFL career, even though it was not brief. But it's it's interesting to me. We kind of had. We were on a lot of similar teams. I didn't know you were in Kansas City. Um, you were yeah. in Jacksonville. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, those are like the worst locker rooms in the NFL, man. Dude, I I know. I would, dude. You're so right. You Jacksonville, were, I, Jacksonville's terrible. Well, you know why I think it's bad? Well, the team that you were with the longest was New York Giants, and your coach was Tom Coughlin. And Tom Coughlin is now in Jacksonville, and he made that camp in August the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. So Dude, bad. I was, was like, the, I was forced. He loved me, though, because he knew I was a grinder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I was always like the first person to finish sprints in the, the summer workouts and OTAs and all that stuff. And he loved it because the running backs and the wide receivers, like they didn't like getting beat in sprints by the punter because we're supposed to be pathetic, but he loved that. I pushed the other guys, you know, he's yeah. hardcore, man. Tom is hardcore. Yeah. That's, that's the right way to describe him. Um, how would you summarize your NFL career? Um, man, I'd never been asked that. That's a great question. Um, did it fulfill all your hopes and dreams? Did it? Yeah, it did. It was, it was more, it was was more. That's awesome. It it was more, it was so much more actually, because honestly, like my goal when I was 14 was just to like become a pro. It wasn't to play for 10 years, but that just kind of like goes back to show you it's like constant goal recalibration you know like if you achieve a goal like it's awesome to celebrate yourself and acknowledge yourself like you should be doing right now not doing a podcast with me but much appreciated but i think 
I think constantly recalibrating your goals is really what's going to allow you to fulfill your destiny because, well, who's to say somebody doesn't put a football in my hand when I'm 14 years old? Does my dream still come true? Do I still become a pro? Do I still become a world champion? I don't know. You know what I mean? I'd like to think I won't be denied and that's just like my alter ego, you know, because I don't always, like every morning, I don't always wake up like a, a bullet. Like I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. Um, you know, and I'm just, I choose not to medicate, not that if people medicate, um, they're wrong. I'm just trying to master my emotions. And, and one of the ways I'm able to do that and manage extreme ADHD and and depression and anxiety is to create structure. Mm. And if I can create structure and I mean, as much as you can with having five kids control variables, just like when I was in the NFL, my performance is going to be much more predictable, you know? So if you're, you know, if you're constantly recalibrating your goals and recalibrating your, your plan to get there and paying very close attention to the steps required to get to that goal, it kind of goes back to the analogy that we spoke about earlier. It's you're not shotgun. You're not a shotgun towards your goal. You know, you're, you're, you're checking the, the barometric pressure. You know, you're looking to see how much drop is on the horizon. You're, you're adjusting the scope and you're taking one shot. You know, yeah. you might not hit it in your first shot. Make adjustments after that. Don't just keep loading up the buckshot and, and busting off rounds when you're, you're, you can be so much more effective with the time that you have. I would, I would challenge or it's such a fine balance between always recalibrating your goals, which is so important. Um, and celebrating the small win. We're, so like in, in my NFL career now, it's like, okay, my goal was just to play one game in the NFL. And automatically, as soon as I achieve that, boom, it's a next, now it's play one whole season. After that, it's now boom, get accredited or, or get vetted. Then it's like, you know, play 10 years and it's pro. And it's like, you don't want it to turn into this treadmill of discontent, but it's important that you always are, are always like kind of reaching one step beyond where you're at, I feel like. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a fine balance. I've struggled with this my whole life and I still struggle with it every single day. And it's like celebrating the accomplishments because yeah. a lot of the times um, I have to, to get myself out of this mode and, and change my perspective, you know, as we talked about earlier, is I don't acknowledge myself and I don't celebrate achievements. That's not my instinct. It's what's next. So um, I'm constantly trying to um, stop myself and, and live in the moment a little bit instead of viewing my goals as a to-do list. Yeah. They're goals, dude. Like when you score a goal, you celebrate, you know, right. like you reward yourself. You reward the people that helped you get there. You, you live in the moment for a minute. And, and that's one regret that I had when I was in the NFL is it was a to-do list, man. I was like, I was predictable. I was calculated and, and I, I could have enjoyed it more. Um, but I was scared to celebrate because I thought that, that I would lose my edge. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of sick. It's kind of sick, but, um, it's, it's, you know, I viewed like my self-worth with what I've achieved. And if I've achieved, like, let's say you win the Super Bowl. Now, like literally, I won the Super Bowl, I got franchise tag, then I signed a five-year deal for a whole bunch of money. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, well now I, 
now I have to like, you know, I'm the top paid punter in the NFL. Now I have to, if my stats aren't number one, then you know what I mean? It's just, it's perspective. And you have to stop yourself and be like, dude, you're the highest paid punter in the freaking world right now. You know what I mean? To play a kid's game. Um, So I'm constantly stopping myself and, and encouraging myself to enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. Without, without losing my edge. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like a constant balance of a balancing act of like, you know, acknowledge yourself. Um, And when you make mistakes, don't beat yourself up too bad. Stay a little bit more even. And then dude, like it's okay to get sad. It's okay to get depressed. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to have a bad day. It's also okay to be happy and it's okay to be joyful and it's okay to live in the moment. Um, And that's what makes life fun, man. You know, that's, those are human emotions that allow other emotions to be so much better. If you never got depressed, then, what would you know? Like you wouldn't really truly appreciate like just an awesome, happy day. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of where I'm at, man. That's great. Um, so you did win the Super Bowl, which is amazing. And I'm sure you've been asked how that was a million times. So if people want to hear more about that, they can actually check out your show, Steve Weatherford, um, where you talk about so many different things. You have such a wide range of, of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, I want to ask you the question though, of all the things you accomplished through your NFL career, you played 10 seasons. Is that right? Mm-hmm. On five different teams. Did I count that right? Four, four different teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the one thing in that time that you're most proud of? Was it the awards or was it, you know, so. no, it was, it, it was when I got cut. The first time I got cut, hmm. yeah, it was, um, I was tough, man, because you, you know, you live your whole life being an achiever and a go-getter. And I mean, you know, God blessed me with athleticism, but I was always, you know, the little kid growing up, I was 108 pounds when I was a freshman in high school. So I was, you know, I wasn't like God given, um, you know, size and strength. I was just athletic, but you know, going back and, and thinking about all of that and then having an opportunity um, to play pro sports. And I enjoyed every freaking minute of those first two and a half seasons. And then out of nowhere, um, you know, being released, that was, uh, I was a blow to my ego because I was a winner. It cut me. I've never been cut in my life. You know, I've right. faced adversity, but I've never been cut. And, um, and that was a humbling experience, but looking back on it, I am so proud of myself for how I handled it Mm -hmm. because it would have been really, really easy to like beat yourself up and, and go in the tank. I mean, you've experienced that when you, um, you know, when you first got in the league, it took you like a year and a half to be able to feel real confident performing that skill again. Yeah. You know, like I've been there. Um, but in this particular situation, I was able to to recalibrate and reset and refocus and rededicate, recommit myself, and and honestly, like being cut in, in the middle of the season in 2008 was the best thing that ever happened to me because um, it sharpened me. You know, mm-hmm. like all those life experiences like that when you get knocked down. Um, and you still keep going and you don't do what people think you're going to do. Like those are the times that, 
that I look back on when times are tough now or I'm having a day where, you know, people listen to this, I'm sure some of them can, you know, can relate. Like when you struggle from depression and you wake up one day and life just sucks, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the times in my life that I look back on. And when I was so mentally strong, I like, I draw strength from that now because that was, I was a really, that was a really foreign, scary time for me. And um, there's been a million times where I haven't been proud of how I've handled certain situations, but that's one time during my NFL career that I'm very proud. And I, I draw strength from, from like kind of reliving that story in my mind. Wow. It's a great story. I've, I asked everybody that and most people talk about us. Uh, it wasn't this award, but it was, uh, you know, me, you know, reaching this point was that I never thought I would, but, for you to bring up a moment of, of adversity and just like saying, wow, to take a step back and, and how you perceive all that, it's, it's pretty unique. Um, so transitioning outside of football, can you talk about what you did after? Was that hard for you once you were done with football? No, man. I was, it was like, um, you know, when I retired, I, I'm, I'd like to think I could still be playing right now. Like if I was still playing football, I would be in like my 13th season. And you know, in regards to like physical condition, I'm probably in better condition now than I was when I retired. I mean, I don't punt a football anymore. So I'd, you know, probably require me a good three or four months of, you know, really training that skill again to be able to to play in the NFL again. But no, I was, I'm, I'm really happy with how it ended because there's very few people that get to walk away from the NFL when they want to. And there's very few people that get to walk away healthy. Um, and so I'm, I'm very thankful that I was able to do that. Um, you know, aside from, you know, having a sore back every once in a while, dude, I'm in great physical condition. I feel healthy. My, I didn't have concussions. You know, that's another worry that a lot of guys have because they might feel great when they leave. And then 10 years later, they, you know, yeah. everything falls apart. I mean, one of my, one of my teammates, a really good friend, Steve Gleason, has got ALS and, yeah, unfortunately, you're just counting down the days until you get a phone call. Um, right. So I'm just very thankful that I never had to um, experience any of that. Now, figuring out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, yeah, that was difficult, you know, and, and not not having a regimented schedule, that was difficult because my schedule had always been laid out for me, you mm-hmm. know, since, since we were kids, you know, like we go to school, mom does our schedule, then we go to college. And our schedules were pretty much made for us. And then you go into pros, it's pretty much made for you. And then all of a sudden, I retire and have these big dreams and aspirations of impacting millions of people through health and wellness. And I'm like, all right, where do I start? You know what I mean? Um, And you don't have that accountability. You don't like go to work and you don't see your, your, your teammates. You don't sit in the sauna with them and talk about problems. You know what I mean? Like you don't have that brotherhood anymore. So I think the missing the brotherhood still now is difficult and weird for me because I've had teammates since I was four years old, all the way up into, you know, almost 34. Right. Uh, so that's 30 years of having people keep you accountable, you keeping them accountable, you encouraging them, you know, receiving encouragement, um, you know, going both ways. And so that's been difficult and it's still difficult for me. Um, but I just have so much to be thankful for and so much yeah. to work on personally and, you know, in regards to the things that I want to achieve in my life. and. and relationships that I want to nurture and trips that I want to go on. Dude, I mean, think about this. I just got married um, or I just went on my honeymoon 
two weeks ago. I've been married for I've been married for eleven years. It took me eleven uh, years to take could take a freaking honeymoon. You no know, hey, good for you guys for doing that though. Yeah, we went to two weeks in in Maldives. It was freaking. Hey, crazy. the middle of the Indian Ocean, huh? I know it was it was freaking. It was awesome, man. It was well worth the wait because if I would have had to pay for that vacation eleven years ago, I'd have been in trouble. <laughs> Um, well, you've been you've been staying busy ever since football. You mentioned you were on the yeah. cover of Muslim Fitness. You have an online empire for for health and wellness. Um, you you're my favorite. That every NFL team I've been in and and every NFL locker room I've been in has been mentioned. When your name comes up, is Armageddon, which is really lot. Yes, dude. You're. I didn't yeah. know that. That's so cool, man. It's, my ego is getting pumped up. Bro, everybody talks about it. It's like the arm program. If you're trying to get those arms looking good and polished, then uh, that is so cool, man. Armageddon. But you also have Veritas Labs. So much going on, and your own very your very own Steve Weatherford show, which people can find on YouTube and uh, on podcasts wherever they get them. Um, gosh, what's your? I mean, how do you do that? How do you do all that? Um. Well, I mean, we talked about it a lot during the show. It's it's planning and um and it's also it's also being humble enough to to ask for help because there's a lot of things that i'm doing like i mean i just launched my podcast three months ago and i love going on podcasts and i love listening to podcasts but like me doing my own show i'm like man i don't even know where to start you know and so i go out and and you know talk to some of my good friends like um you know like lewis house awesome podcast school of greatness um he's one of my best buddies so you know, I kind of feel like a knucklehead. I'm like, Hey, how do I start a podcast? But you know, he was thrilled to help me. And so I think it's, that's a good message for people that are listening to this right now. Like if there's somebody that's really good at something that you want to become great at, like we live in the greatest age ever. You can pick up your phone and direct message the president. Yeah. You know, whether or not you're going to get a reply back, but you have that access. It's not hard to get you know, relationship advice, nutrition advice, fitness advice, you know, biohacking advice, podcast advice, just pick up your phone and ask, you know, you're, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not like you're going to break the game if they don't reply back to you. You're going to miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. So yeah. um, asking people for help and, um, you know, mastering your schedule and being very, um, be very disciplined to what you say you're going to do because it can be it can and it happens to everybody but you have stuff planned in the day and then life happens and then things start stacking up you just recalibrate replan reassess and make it happen so um yeah i'm i'm busy man but you know what when i'm dead and gone i don't want to have any regrets i'm i'm enjoying it i'm making a ton of mistakes but i'm making them quick um and so you know i can make three or four mistakes before somebody makes their first move in my opinion, I'm already ahead of the game, you know what yeah. I mean? Because I've already found three ways that don't work. I'm already, I already found the, the way that works while everybody else is, you know, talking about what, what they want to do on Saturday nights. You know what I mean? Right. I already know what I'm doing on Saturday night for the next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm locked in. That's great. I do, I do think that's such an important point you made about um, asking and being willing to ask. And I feel like there's so many people out there my wife included, who is hesitant to ask when she has a dream or vision that she knows somebody could help her with because she doesn't feel worthy or she doesn't feel like it's the right time. 
And my, my point of view, and it sounds like you have a similar one, is just kind of like I'm kind of reckless where I'm like, hey, look, I know what I want. I don't know how to get there, but I know that I can ask somebody. Right. This, this kind of insecurity that people have of, oh, I'm not sure if I should do this, I think needs to, needs to die. I think those insecurities no. need to go away because it's, you're right. Like, it is such an amazing time to live in where uh, you can ask anybody. So take advantage of it. Dude, the, the, the possibilities are, are literally endless. You can yeah. learn to do, I mean, my first website, I learned how to create it by watching YouTube videos. Yeah, I could have easily paid somebody to go do it for me, but then when I get to the point that I'm at right now, where I have a team of like 11 people, how am I going? How am I going to be able to assess how good of a job that they're doing if I have no idea how to do it? I don't need to be able to, to have the ability to to build, you know, multi-platform, you know, fully immersive websites. But I do want to be able to find the language that they're using product i went on like a 90-day journey i retired from the nfl this can be a two-minute story and i'm going to try to make it really quick but this is how i became an entrepreneur i retired from the nfl i wrote down four four goals that i had for 2016 um two of them were family related one of them was um you know personal development related and the last one was i wanted to get 19 inch arms in 90 days and so before i went on this journey so i shared that on instagram and before I started the 90 days. I went and direct messaged every single person that I could find on Instagram. I think there was like six people I messaged that had like incredible arms. And I wore long sleeves during my NFL career. Every single, you go, you Google any team that I played with in my name and I guarantee you I have long sleeves on. And the reason I did that is because I was known as like the fittest guy in the NFL but my arms were my weakest body part. And that's the only body part you can see during the NFL game. Right. So I, covered, I covered them up. It was, my, it was my ego. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I wanted, I wanted to be able to improve that body part. So I, I messaged the, you know, the people that I thought had the greatest training techniques and the greatest looking arms. And I said, Hey, can I, can I train with you if I come to town? And I ended up training with Flex Lewis. He's won Mr. Olympia like seven years in a row at the 212 pound division. And I'm not necessarily like really into bodybuilding, but there was a body part that I wanted to build. So I went and trained with him, learned a ton from him, and then took that knowledge and, and combined it with what I knew with athletic performance um, from, you know, 10 years in the NFL. And I created the program Armageddon for myself, went through the 90 days and it took me 94 days, but I got to 19 inches. So I grew 2.25 inches in 94 days. Nice. And then after I did that, I shared the whole journey on social media and I had no idea how I was going to become an entrepreneur, but people essentially the marketplace told me that, that that was a product that they wanted. And so I took the next five months, like learned how to do graphic design, build a website, um, integrate training videos into an ebook so we can just click on the text and watch a video. So um, I've had a very successful digital program business and that was my first product. And I reverse engineered the marketing process. I created raving fan base that wanted a product that didn't even exist. And when they told me they wanted it, I took five months to create it. And when I launched it, um, I think it took me seven months. And I made I made a million dollars with the digital ebook in seven months. And I'm not saying those numbers to impress anybody. I'm just telling people that, you know, if you go and just give and give and give and give, the universe 
which is going to take care of you. I shared every single workout that I did during Armageddon on social media. So if people really wanted it, they could have just gone back and watched the different videos. But they were willing to pay me $67 to take all of that and put it into an ebook and and sell it to them. And so that's what I did. And that was three years ago. And now, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that in 2019 that it's gonna be an eight-figure business. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm having fun and people are losing weight, people are getting healthier, people are improving their disciplines people are learning about nutrition they're learning about different um, training styles like there's different training styles to get stronger than there are to get bigger um, and I've been able to take all of those different um, you know professional methods of developing your body and bring it all into one place and um, and people pay me money to do it it's awesome I love it and you know I get like a hundred direct messages a day from people that are doing my programs or tagging me on Instagram story and and I'm able to connect with them like that. Yeah. Dude, this is an awesome time to be alive. Yeah. I love that. And you are, are one of the most active people on social media I know. So if you don't follow him already, uh, you can find him on Snapchat's probably your favorite, but uh yeah. but they can find you everywhere. Just type in Steve Weatherford, it'll pop up. Um Weatherford Five, I think is your Instagram. Um Yeah, what, I want, Weatherford Five on everything. We'll um we'll wrap up. I wanna ask you what's your biggest goal that you have now? this phase of life you've built these businesses you've achieved all these goals what, what's a new goal that you have right now uh, my goal for 2019 is to be completely done working by 3 p.m every single day hmm. and to be able to take the entire month of december off that's great i like that that's a, a lot big, that's a big goal because i still want to achieve like a ton of stuff in tight inside of that 4 a.m and 3 p.m um, but the, the hard part is not going to be achieving those goals that I have because I, I know it's going to happen. It's being disciplined to, to turning it off at three o'clock and then creating quality time, um, you know, in whatever I'm doing. I could be at a charity event or spending time with my wife or spending time with my kids, whatever I'm doing. I want to be present and I want to make it quality time. Nice. And last thing, three pieces of advice that you feel like have helped you achieve the success you have. Anywhere along the line from mentors or other people, what are, what are three Say takeaways? One more time. What, what are three pieces of advice that you feel like have helped achieve, you achieve the success that you have that you can share with the audience? It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Nice. Sounds, sounds cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's no traffic jam on the extra mile. Nice. Nice. And then I have two quotes. I know it's not three, but I've got two quotes and I can't figure out which one that I want to leave you guys with. But uh, the first one is Bruce Lee. It's fear not the man that knows 10,000, that has practiced 10,000 kicks one time. It's fear the man that has practiced one kick 10,000 times. <laughs> um, because I'm involved in so many things, I, I want to I master them before I move on. Um, and then the last one is a quote by Steve Prefontaine. And if I could get this tattooed on my forehead, I would. Um, it's hanging over my office to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. And dude, every single day, if you view it like a gift, might as well max it out, man. You're, we're all playing with house money. Like if people are listening to this podcast right now and they can hear me, they're blessed. They can freaking hear because there's a lot of people they can't hear. If you're watching this, you're blessed because you have vision, like go out and make your dreams freaking real life. Hmm. wow steve you had some awesome awesome words in that 
one hour long interview that we just had. And I thank you for taking the time for doing that. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, it's good to get to know you a little better. No, man, this is awesome. dude. can't wait to have you on my show. And uh, before we go, dude, congrats. Thank I'm you. Really, thank you. Really, really freaking happy for you, man. <laughs> you'll, you'll never have, you'll never have another, never have another first game as a professional athlete, man. That's Live in the right. moment. Thanks, Steve. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found today's interview valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can also share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. And please head over to my website at www.andrewdeast.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. Feel free to connect with me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew D. East. And thank you again. We hope to see you next time on Redirected.